Hello and welcome. This is the Bits vs. Byte podcast. I'm your host, Amak Grigic, and today with me is uh, Brian Solis. Welcome, Brian. <laughs> hello, 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 everybody. Um, could you uh, tell the listeners a little bit, a bit about your background and also what you are currently working on? Well, it's a, it's a really interesting background, I, I, to say the least. I've been a digital analyst and digital anthropologist for a very long time, studying, at least at a high scale, how disruptive technologies have impacted markets uh, and also how technologies have impacted society and individuals in a variety of capacities, whether that's customers or as just human beings or students or employees. And I try to make sense uh, between the two of them, build bridges between the technology and the change so that I can help leaders build bridges strategically. So whether that's running more effective customer experience or employee experience programs or corporate innovation programs or what have you. Uh, and that output is in the form of reports, in the form of advisory. I've written about eight books or so on on the various topics uh, and I also love to blog and share ideas <laughs> in social media. So that's, that's sort of like a high-level view. And yeah. what am I working on now, I guess? I, I, I forgot to answer that. Um, sure. You know, a lot, uh, a lot right now. So it's, there's a real in, interesting inflection point where I found myself affected by the same technologies that I was tracking and <laughs> ended up writing a book about how to live a much more creative and productive life without abandoning tech, but giving the relationship with tech a new purpose. And I called it life scale. I wanted to give it a name because there is a really interesting journey that you go through in resetting our relationship with technology to be, uh, be better, be more intentional, uh, rather than just sort of living the way that we do today with reaching for that device every second we can and reacting to every notification uh, and learning what those implications are and, and taking control of them. Yeah. So talking about that, I think uh, I, I know a, a lot uh, a lot of what you talk about or the key areas that you talk about a lot is also the, the kind of impact that uh, that social media, for example, has on on our lives and stuff like that. Um, why Why is that such an important topic to you? It was, uh, <laughs> I had no choice for it to be an important topic to me. It's funny though, because I've, I've studied it for years. I, I mean, going back to 2000, I mean, even before social media and before web 2.0, I, I was always looking at how, for example, in the late nineties, how the internet was changing us and how we were adapting. And, but I always studied it in the form of something specific like customer experience or digital influence or some, some some bigger purpose to kind of give it meaning to uh, to executives and to to market makers. Yeah. So over time, sorry, oh, yeah, sorry. Go, go ahead. ahead. <laughs> no, no, it, it's okay. I'll, go ahead. You were you were going to uh, to continue on the topic. Yeah, I just was taking pause because there's a real interesting shift between that work and then also understanding that at some point we are also users and. Mm -hmm. I was trying to write what would have been my eighth book, uh, follow on to X, the experience meets uh, when business meets design, only to find myself either not inspired or not focused enough to be able to even get through the, the proposal stage. 
And that's when I realized that there was something wrong. I originally thought it was just writer's block, but I just started noticing patterns in the way that my brain was working and how often I was reaching for my phone and how many tabs I had open on the browser and how many things I had on my desktop and how many conversations I was having in Slack. And all of these things sort of made me want to research more and more and more. What are the effects of living this life? Because it wasn't always this way. And the hypothesis was, does it affect productivity and creativity? Mm. And so after spending a good year of of getting down to those answers, because there was some conjecture about it, but there wasn't anything really, really scientific uh, at the time. Uh, and so I had access to a lot of my friends in Silicon Valley who had created many of these devices and networks. And we had some really honest, uh, off-the-record conversations. And I learned a lot about uh, the design techniques that go to change that go into changing a user's behavior and then also did the work to understand then once you change a user's behavior, what does that do to the brain? <laughs> what does that do to your biology, your chemistry? Uh, and then how does that affect your behaviors over time? And so that, that was really revealing. So that's why I felt like I had to write this book because I was affected. I was living a much more shallow, a much more uh, task switching, multitasking, distracted life. Uh, and I was seeing and feeling its effects, but I wasn't able to sort of connect the dots as to exactly why and exactly how so that I can then figure out exactly what to do about it. And I wasn't going to abandon tech. I wasn't going to delete a lot of the apps and services or abandon the devices that I actually need to do my job. But what I wanted to do was take a much more human-centered approach to finding a solution that was going to allow me to find a new relationship, a new social contract with my devices and tech. Yeah. So how did you how did you actually do it because I think a lot of people have uh, have problems with doing that. I mean, I, I know people that uh, when they kind of forget their phone at home, they they have to go back to get it even if it's like a 5-minute drive that that they need to go to the store or whatever. So how how did you uh, how did you approach it? That's what ended up becoming the book. At this point, I didn't know that I was going to write a book about it. I mean, I write books about business and the future of technology. Sure. Uh, the, <laughs> the journey, I just started doing research to figure out how to get get my brain. Uh, look, I think before we kind of get there, we should understand that there's there's absolutely a reason why you feel like you have to go back and get your phone. There's absolutely a reason why you can't be bored or that you can't observe when you're sitting on a train or in, in a taxi or an Uber that you have to reach for your device and constantly scroll, scroll, scroll. Hmm. It's, it's by design. And so it's called persuasive design. It's, these are all strategies. These are courses that are taught at Stanford and, and other places. Uh, the dark side of that persuasive design, though, is, is essentially creating an addictive behavior. And if you look at Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat or Twitter or you name your favorite game, they all have these design elements inherent in them because they're meant to hold your attention. That's that's the commodity that they're trading. That's all they have. They monetize your attention. So they have to hold it and they have to find new ways to hold it because you're constantly changing and there's constantly new ways to capture someone's attention because it's super competitive out there. Yeah, the, sure. the result is that you your brain is rewired. It accelerates. It speeds up to keep up with all these things and that affects how you work, how you think, how you talk. Uh, that affects uh, how you feel the constant need to keep up that pace because if you're not keeping up that pace and you feel like something's off or something's wrong. Uh, and over time, 
not just your brain is being re rewired, but so is your, your chemistry and your biology. So you have these different uh, chemicals that are switch, sw swishing around in, in you as you're doing these different things like oxytocin or serotonin or uh, dopamine. And then your body becomes dependent on those chemicals, much like the same way it does when you, you become addicted to anything. Uh, and so we've had, let's see, Facebook, can you could trace that back to you know, Twitter 2006 when it really started to become popular, the iPhones around this time. Uh, you, you've had a very long gestation period of this transformation, this human transformation. Uh, and you're, you, you're just now starting to see it because it's becoming a systemic problem. Uh, you could see it in the polarization of information, uh, tribalism, uh, fake news, and why everybody's willing to believe it. Uh, the, the inability to be in the presence of someone without actually being distracted. Uh, the inability to write at, or create a depth or think at depth uh, on command. It's, it's just because all of these things are hitting at once and we're just starting to take notice. The only reason I figured it out is because I hit a wall. So yeah. It's a it's a long answer because I wanted to kind of get get everyone who's listening to understand that how did I solve something? Well, we had to talk about just how deep that that solution goes because yeah, there's sure. a lot of things that if you Google it uh, or if you follow trends, you know, there's meditation and mindfulness and yoga and hiking and using the Calm app, for example. Uh, there's these are all these are all fantastic, but they they treat the symptoms, and they don't treat the problem. And the problem was is that the more that we use this stuff, the more we change, and the more we change, a lot of things also change as well. Our perspectives, our mental models, our values systems, our purpose, uh, our a lot of a lot of just things that drive humanity. So that after a ton of research, I just kept getting back to the basics. It's like who am I and who am I trying to be, because what you think and actually what you do in that moment are two very different things. Turns out that a lot of times we're just trying to be like everybody else, that this idea of social proof and, and uh, competing with, with everybody through FOMO and uh, comparisons, it's, it, none of this is healthy, but it's actually how we're living our life. And so we're living our life moment to moment rather than actually finding out and exploring who we really want to be and then making those decisions to do that and then using technology as sort of an enabler to do that as opposed to how we use it today, which is just simply as a matter of uh, communication, but also as a matter of distraction, like we feed our own distraction. So the path of life scale was a series of steps that I had documented that were working. There's a whole bunch of stuff that I documented that wasn't working. <laughs> and ultimately, that became those every step became a chapter in the book, uh, because I felt like if I'm having these problems, other people are probably having these problems. And so let's see if I can't at least add my voice to a solution. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think it's, uh, I think it's great to have uh, something like that, because I think that a lot of people uh, forget that it is so addictive. And uh, a lot of people, it, well, sometimes I've, I've, uh, I've noticed myself uh, last week I was in uh, in Bosnia myself where I don't have like uh, internet all the time on my phone uh, and then when you go out and you go to a gathering or a restaurant or whatever uh, you notice that uh, you're kind of 
you're kind of detoxing in a way where you're like you're still looking at your phone but you don't have internet there's no new information coming in there uh and i think that's actually pretty liberating in a in a sense where i was like i felt uh yeah, much more in the moment. You're you're with the people that you want to talk to, and I think uh, that's one of the things that did help uh, help me. But maybe a lot of people could uh, could use that tip as well, where when they go to a social gathering, just turn on like uh, flight mode or something like that, so you don't uh, get distracted that much uh, anymore. Uh, but I w- I would love to know <laughs> kind of your opinion on that. But I think it's a I think it's a great uh, a great way to kind of detox yourself a little bit and try and train yourself to to be without your phone uh, all the time. Detox is certainly one of the the short term uh, remedies. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, though, it 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 just it's just one thing. There's a yeah. thing called. Uh, Oh my goodness! It'll come to me in a second. Uh, dopamine hacking—it's—it's uh, mm-hmm. it's the same idea. It's it, but but it goes deeper, right? So the the reason why people go through digital detox atten- there's camps for this even um, or regiments that you could follow. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that it's it's meant to teach your teach you the discipline of living without devices and. At the risk of sounding, you know, spiritual, uh, you know, uh, which there is an element of that spirituality to anything that you want to do uh, that is that's transcendent beyond what you do every single day. That that those are your beliefs. M- my approach was a little bit more scientific uh, and honest and human. Uh, just mm. simply trying to apply these things to be easier to understand and grasp, and actually that work and move you in a new direction without being a trend. Uh, or trendy, or plugging into other 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 trends, and to me, detox is one of those trends. Uh, so, for example, if you work out all weekend uh, and then you spend, or then you spend the rest of the week eating, binge eating, yeah. uh, that's not a healthy lifestyle. Uh, but you you trick yourself into believing that you're on the right path because you do give yourself space without it. Um, but it's only human and natural to just kind of go back and uh, go back to you actually do you do more of it because it's just it's just what we do in everything uh, whether you're saving money whether you're going through a diet it's just it's just a natural fallback so the reason I share that is because I also tried you know, detoxing and I've also you know in my research was exploring how how people felt after detox and if I'll give you an example because this is exactly what it's about. Part of what happens when we use the devices without checking ourselves, without knowing what's happening behind the scenes, is that your body has become dependent on these behaviors because it is it is mental and also chemical. Right? It's called one on the mental side. It's neuroplasticity. So your your brain is literally being rewired, and to do that, it's expending different types of fuels, different types of chemicals to keep up with that acceleration and that way of thinking. And then in your body, when you feel like, I don't know, you get a like or you get an engagement or you have new connection requests or you have more followers, that mm. triggers all kinds of like feel-good chemicals as well. And so you're, you just become dependent on it without realizing why uh, or even realizing that you are becoming dependent on it. So the reason why this matters is because if you go through a digital detox over the weekend, your body's only just essentially not giving itself that dose or that hit 
that it it needs to sustain that life. So you're kind of withholding it like dopamine hacking, like you're withholding the dopamine uh, to kind of just reset reset your body. But the reality is, is that it's like if you're an addict to whatever it is and you give it up for the weekend, <laughs> you haven't changed anything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's yeah, what ac- this is about. The actual change comes later on when you like push it for multiple weeks or for even longer periods of time, right? Well, and it's also not just about, it's not just about detox, right? I'm not giving up my device. Mm. Um, I'm actually just learning a better way to live with it. So that's where, you know, the uh, dependency sort of changes. Like in anything, you have to give it a sense of purpose and you have to give it a much a much more thoughtful approach to why you're here in the first place and then where are you trying to go because whether it's professionally um, or personally you know these are conversations that we're not really having because everything that we're doing right now is absolutely normal in fact by even thinking differently we're not normal it's mm-hmm. it's not it's 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 not the most popular conversation to look at one another and say gosh we're distracted what are we going to do about it because it is so important in our social fabric to be connected, to be communicating, to be sharing, to be, uh, you know, to be highlighting the experiences that we're having. It's, it's a, it, in, in its simplicity, it's a beautiful way to, to live and connect with people that we might not otherwise know. But at its heart, it has transformed sort of the, 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 the hierarchy of society. Yeah. Why, why is sharing what you're doing at every moment so important? Why are the numbers associated with those experiences so important? Uh, and that's that's really what this conversation gets to. So that then we can have a much more productive uh, idea about what to do moving forward. So you know, look, one of the things is that I didn't want to do with the book was become this preacher. Like, hey, this is this is bad. This is what's happening to you. This is what you need to do about it. The only only the first chapter is really getting to the exact change that's happened to us because i want people to know this is what happened and for better for worse you can say no that's cool i i don't need to keep reading or now that i know exactly why i feel this way or now that i know all of the reasons why these things have been happening i have a choice about either doing something or not doing something exactly and that's what this is about now you could play this out beyond just personal, you could talk about, well, what does distractions mean at work as an employee or as a, as a manager or as a leader? Like what's my workforce look like if it's actually distracted? Well, it turns out it's pretty significant. Most of us lose two hours a day through distraction, uh, whether we're reaching for our phones uh, or whether we're checking you know, notifications uh, or what you name it. Every time you do that, you take away from the actual task at hand. And when you take away from the task at hand, you lose things like quality, you lose things like quantity, you lose things like depth uh, and originality and creativity. And so I made the book about creativity. Turns out that if you focus on creativity, then you can actually unlock a part of you that's, that's not even about technology. It's about living in a world where everybody is homogenized. Everybody has access to the same filters. Everybody's living their best life. So what would you do if you had time to build your own 
space and mental model to be more thoughtful and mindful and creative and how would that execute in everything that you do what if you didn't reach for your phone while you're in the middle of the project how much how much better would that project be what if you're a customer and you're going through life and you're totally distracted and you're trying to make a decision about your research and what to buy and who to which brand to buy from and you can't can't settle on it because it's everything's just so distracting what if a brand understood that and was able to clean up its whole journey to specifically reach you and say, I understand how crazy it is out there, but we've done these things to help you make a decision. Like everything would just be better. Uh, and that's, I think that's the path that I'm asking people to come on is let's live life much more intentional, much with greater clarity and with greater creativity so that we could solve some real problems that exist. Exactly. Yeah, the the it's it's getting in the way of good work, uh, good honest work. Uh, I, I've noticed it myself, where uh, I see it on the on the, well, in the in the office and whatever. Uh, it, it it's just so distracting in the sense that it, there's nothing worse than just talking to someone and they're on their phones, like totally not connected with what you are talking about, like, or even worse if it, if it's in the middle of a conversation or whatever. Uh, and I hope that will uh, that will change. And uh, some of the, the the kind of rules we set with each other uh, should probably also change in that respect as well. Where, I mean, I just want to have a normal conversation with someone one on one without them grabbing their phone and uh, doing something else, which is totally not uh, totally not what we're getting at uh, in in that conversation or whatever. So. I have uh, I have one more question because we're uh, we're a little short on time. Uh, so you, you've done a lot of stuff. You've written a, a lot of books, uh, as you, as you mentioned. Uh, so when you look, kind of look back on on all those kind of achievements and stuff like that, what are you uh, what are you most proud of? I think there's two things. One is that I'm most proud of the diversity of each of, of, of the books that I've written. Uh, there's been eight, and each have focused on something different. Whereas, well, that's not true. What's the Future of Business and X were sort of brother and sister because they built off of experience design and reimagining what that customer experience could look like. Uh, but that, it's hard, to, it's hard to say, it's hard to answer that question because I'm already on mentally to what I want to write next, which is completely <laughs> different than, than what I just, just published. And I think that's, that comes down to sort of the reality of life and being proud is, 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 is one thing. And, and, and being, I have a lot I want to say, there's a lot, the, a lot of changes happening in the world. I'm sort of driven by getting that out there, at least for now, because there isn't, there's a lot of talk and there's a lot of noise, but there isn't a lot of like insight uh, you know, that kind of penetrates through all of that, that static. And I think if anything, the answer to your question is in the motivation to have an impact. Uh, and that, that I've seen in, in my work and it makes me want to keep, keep going. Very cool. Uh, how can uh, people find you on the internet and also find your book? Well, uh, they could find me on the internet at briansolis.com, B-R-I-A-N-S-O-L-I-S.com, or on social at Brian Solis, pretty much on, on all the platforms. Uh, and the book is, well, wherever books are sold uh, that you go to, uh, hopefully you'll find it there. If not, uh, not let me know. 
No problem. Uh, thanks a lot, uh, Brian, for your uh, for your time. Uh, and uh, of course, for the listeners, you can find the Bits vs. Byte podcast on bitsvsbytes.com. We're also on uh, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. It's all bitsvsbytes. And uh, if you didn't subscribe to the newsletter yet, you can find it on bitsvsbytes.com slash newsletter. And you'll get an uh, uh, email every two weeks uh, with uh, five things about technology, business, and leadership. Uh, and I would like to thank you for listening. Until next time.